I want to start by sharing with you from Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. This is a key text for this series. And uh, this is where Jesus said, come follow me. And then he said, I will make you fishers of men. And I love the statement that Pierre made because I, I listened to his message. And I, I love the statement that he made in saying that, you know, that we need to come to Jesus to become like Jesus, Right? And uh, so Jesus here actually makes the statement. He says, come follow me. And then he says, I will make you. So that's like, you know, coming to becoming, right? So we become something that he is making. Now, here's the thing about Jesus. Many of you may know this, but, uh, you know, Jesus had a particular profession before he went full-time into the ministry. He wasn't full-time his whole life, right? He wasn't born as a baby and then suddenly went into full-time ministry, even though he was God. Uh, he was fully God. He was fully human. He also grew uh, but he had a, a career. He had a vocation. And can anybody tell me what Jesus was in his vocation? He was a carpenter, correct. And so here's the thing about carpenters is that carpenters know about making things. So a carpenter will get a piece of wood and they'll get an idea, have a vision, have a purpose for a, 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 and a, a, what they want to create out of that piece of wood. Could be... Uh, well, even the stage here, you know, it could be a chair, it could be a desk, it could be the paneling on the wall at the back. So there's lots of different things that could be made from one piece of wood. But here, Jesus is particular and he states what it is that he will make us if we will follow him. It is a particular thing. What does he say? He says, follow me and I will make you a? A fisherman, a fisher of people. And so, actually, what that means is, as we follow Jesus, we might be living our lives and doing our own thing, and if we read the next verse, it says that then they left their nets to follow him. And in some cases, there's some leaving that we need, things we need to let go of in order to follow more effectively. But the fishing part is where we don't just receive the benefit of following, because that's what happens. When you follow Jesus, you become like him, you, you, you experience his peace, his love, his joy, his character in terms of goodness, kindness, love, all those amazing things that begin to produce in your life as, as the fruits of the Spirit of God in you. You become like him. It's it, as you then follow him and you benefit from following him, he says, now help others follow. That's what it means to fish. It's simply helping others to follow as you follow. Did you get that? But what's interesting is uh, if we go now jump to the, to the end of this book called Matthew um, that, that Matthew wrote, uh, he, you know, we, from Matthew chapter 4 where Jesus says, come follow me, I will make you fishers of men. If we jump ahead to Matthew 28, this is now right at the end of Jesus' earthly ministry. Right? And right at the end, he's, you know, he's now been to the cross, he's died, he's come back to life. He's proven that he is God by being resurrected. And then he meets with his followers and he, you know, he ministers to them. He imparts to them. And, and then just as he's about to leave and ascend back into heaven, ending his season of, of full-time ministry here on earth, he didn't end his ministry, but just his, while he was on earth. Uh, as he's about to leave, he's got about 500 followers there and he and he's commissions them and he says to them, he says, go into all the world and do what? Make disciples. That's fishing. 
That's helping others follow as they have now followed already. They have experience following. They've seen Jesus making disciples. And now he says, even as I have made disciples of you, now you go help others become disciples like you are. And so, you know, here he says, and, but notice this. He says, go into all the world. Right? He's speaking from a context in Jerusalem where he, in his three years of ministry, he never went far. It was, you know, no further than anywhere like in the Western Cape, maybe even Cape Town. And so he doesn't, you know, he didn't go very far in his ministering. And so all the followers were within that small region. And so when he says, go and make disciples and go into all the world to make disciples, what he's saying is go to people who aren't yet followers to help them follow. Go to people that are lost. Go to people who are not yet saved from their sin. And he says, that's where you start. And, uh, you know, if you speak, if you use this word disciple, uh, many people will have many different, um, you know, meanings that they would attach to that word. But yeah, yeah, and, and some would say that it's, or some would think, first, the first thought, if, if I said to you, you know, okay, go find someone to disciple, more often than not, what we think is, well, let's go find a Christian and help them become a better Christian. But actually, Jesus is saying, go to people who aren't yet followers. If you're going to go make disciples, it starts with engaging people with the truth of Jesus and the love of God, um, you know, as to, to help them become followers. And so this is what Jesus says, go into all the world, make disciples, and then he says, teaching them to obey. And after baptizing them in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, he says, then teaching them to obey. That means to follow. Following is obedience. Following is, if Jesus says, move to Kenya and go start a church, we follow. If it's go to London. But now, the reality is most of you will not have to move city, okay? Maybe that's good news, right, for some of you. Maybe you love Somerset West. But Jesus is saying, go to your neighbor. You know, go to the people just down the road from you. Go to people in your workplace. Go to people at the school gate where you drop off your kids. And he's saying, go. Go find people who aren't yet following and help them follow. But what's interesting to me is that Jesus' ministry starts with discipleship and it ends with discipleship. And everything in between. If you go and study the Gospels, you'll see everything was about Jesus demonstrating to the disciples how to disciple while he's making them disciples. But this morning, what I want to share with you is how to follow. This is now where we get to the how. How do we follow and help others follow and others fish? How do we do this? And I'm going to give you a three-step process, a very, uh, just three very practical things that you can do in order to activate and get going. Because the only way that you're going to actually grow in making disciples is if you go. You won't grow unless you go. And so I'm going to give you three very simple, very practical steps. And I'm going to give you a fishing app that you can download. Are you ready to download the fishing app? Okay, so you don't need to get out your phones. This isn't an app you download from the cloud. This is, you, you have to go higher than that. You have to go beyond. This is a download from heaven. Are you ready? Okay, so this is APP, uh, easy to remember app. If you, if you think, oh, Lord Jesus, how do I go about now fishing and, uh, you know, while I'm following to help others follow, how do I do this? Ah, just remember app, APP. Are you ready? So the first a, the letter, A, stands for abide. Now, Pierre assured me that abide is not a foreign term in this context. That, you know, you've heard this word before, right? 
Uh, maybe some of you, I know there's some uh, first-time people here, and we're so glad that you are here this morning. Um, maybe this isn't too familiar, but this word abide relates to the word abode, which means home. And it actually means to kind of hang out like friends. It's like having a bride together. Okay, it's a socializing, it's connecting. And uh, in John chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus made this statement. He said, I am the vine. I am not divine, although he was divine as well. I am divine. Right, he says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So the reality is, I mean, you, you can get a God test training, you can sign up for uh, you know, the, the, the just one and, and get equipped by Dave and you know, he can help empower you to be able to share your faith well, all of that. But you know what? None of that is any good unless you're abiding first. We need the life of Jesus in us before the life of Jesus can flow through us. And, so as, and we need to recognize our position. We are not the vine. He is. He is the one connected to the root system that's drawing the nourishment out, that can flow through the branches, that can result in fruit. So if you want to become a fruitful disciple maker, the key point is to abide. It is to connect with Jesus. It's to hang out with Jesus. It's to spend time with your friend, Jesus. And I'll tell you why. is because when you share the love of Jesus with others, you're not telling them about an ideology. You're introducing them to your friend. So you need to know him as friend if you can speak and introduce him as a friend. So, you know, and that's what it means to abide. And uh, one of my favorite verses that also just helps bring perspective on this is 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15 and 16. And uh, here in this version it says, um, Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord. Worship Christ as Lord. That's what it means to follow. And if you... And, and by the way, you can hear the message uh, that Pierre shared on this last week about following. Um, but to set apart Christ as Lord is to worship, it's to obey, it's to follow. But that's where, our, uh, where we begin with making disciples. It starts, first of all, with us being a disciple. And, then, um, and that's also talking about the abiding. That's talking about spending time in his presence. And then it says... Um, so you must worship Christ as Lord, and, and other versions say, set apart Christ as Lord in your hearts. Set him apart. Put him in charge of every area of your life. You know, whatever that area is, whether it's your finances, your career, whether it's being married or not being married, you know, it's your family, your children, your relationships, your community, all areas of your life, you surrender to him to follow. And then um, it says, and if someone asks about your hope as a believer, there's an assumption there. That if you are following Christ, there's going to be a transformation. There's going to be an impact. The God, the creator of the universe, is transforming your life in such a way that it's a beacon of hope to those around you. And God is looking for beacons of light that can shine in the darkness so that you become a beacon of hope. Now, when people ask that question, it may not be as straightforward as what is the hope that I see in you? And sometimes it will. Over years ago, we, we were uh, leading a, a church plant in China and uh, we would go on the campus and they had English corners where we would, could go and just start conversations with Chinese students. And um, one of our team had someone come up to them and say, excuse me, 
I've, I've been looking at you, you people, and I'm just curious, what is the hope that I see in your eyes? Literally, word for word. I said, what is the hope that I see in your eyes? I don't see it in other people. And so that just led to the conversation that resulted in that person coming to faith. Isn't that good? But that's what happens when we set apart Jesus as Lord, when he steps in and we're willing to follow and obey and do whatever he says, whether it's repenting or forgiving or, or just trusting him. You know what? It shines hope. And so sometimes people may ask that question. Like I've had people in our community just come and say, France, you know, I just so enjoy spending time with you. You know, it's just, I just enjoy talking to you. And I take that as them saying, you know, I see hope in you. And, uh, you know, I, and now often my response to them is, you know, I haven't always been like that. That kind of arouses a bit of a curiosity of really, so what's happened? And that can lead to me sharing the gospel with them, sharing how Jesus came in and changed my life. So then it goes on and it says, but do this, in verse 16, it says, but do this in a gentle and respectful way. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ, and which is about following. So there's a process. It begins with abiding. And I want to just tell you a story. This is from our Paris mission. And uh, he has a picture of myself standing with uh, two girls, one from Mozambique, um, standing next to me, and, and that's Ancha. And then next to her is Kanisa. And uh, she's actually from South Africa. And uh, next to them are uh, two of our prayers who joined the team, and, and uh, they were just part of our prayer team over there. Uh, but these are two girls that I met on this, on this Paris mission. But I, I want to just share with you how I met them and, and what God did in this, just through this moment. But uh, we, this is now day three of, of our mission, and, and our whole plan was we went onto this campus. It's a, a residential campus with 12,000 students, international students. I mean, this was made for every nation. And I think it was about 140 nations represented on this campus. And they were students from universities right across the city of Paris. So by touching one campus, we could touch many campuses right across the city. And Paris is the leading city of international students, and in fact students, across the whole of Europe. So if we want to uh, change that statistic of only 1% of the 20 million following Christ, this was a key campus right here. And so... Um, you know, our, our whole plan was we would arrive around meal times. We'd get a meal, go find a, a busy table, and sit down next to students, and then start a conversation. And uh, just naturally, kind of sit down and be like, "Oh, hi, where are you from?" Because inevitably, they're not from France, most of them. And so we just start a conversation, and and uh, and then through that, just build relationship, try and get a follow-up meeting, and then uh, invite them to our Discover God event on the Friday night. So this was now day three, and I'd had some very meaningful conversations and some follow-up conversations with people. But um, as I stepped on the campus, I decided to pause and abide. I decided to stop and to just wait, and I prayed a specific prayer. I prayed Matthew four, and I said, Jesus. I'm, I'm enjoying these conversations and they're great, but I'm trusting you to see people encounter your love and to follow you. I'm trusting God to make disciples from this campus. And so I said, you, you said, it's not me saying, you said, and I'm holding you to your word. You said, if I follow you, you will make me a fisher. So make me a fisher right now in this moment. Now teach me, Lord, what should I do? And I was just still. And sometimes, you know what, we have the strategy, we have the tool, we have the plan, and we just go. Sometimes we need to just pause and abide. And so I paused and I abided. And as I did so, 
you know, he just spoke so clearly. And he said, go find an empty table. Now, we were going to a dining hall that was heaving, that was packed. And Gideon and Dave could verify, you know, that in these meal times, it was packed. And so I, I went in, I got my meal, I circled three times before I found an empty table. And eventually I found this empty table. And now this was counterintuitive. This was actually going against our strategy. Because right? we were trying to get conversations going, not sit on our own. And so I found this empty table. There were about, you know, there was eight seats. And so I sat down, seven empty seats around me. As I sit down, um, I'm sitting there and I'm saying, okay, Jesus, now, yeah, you need to send someone to me. You know, what are you going to do? And I'm all expectant. And, uh, and so I'm like waiting to see who's going to come. And I watch one student after another see my empty table. And they walk right past me and go sit at a busy table. Not to go and talk to anybody. They would sit down and they'd put it in their headphones and then they would just eat, you know, keeping to themselves. And I was like, God, what is going on here? This doesn't make sense. And I sit there for about 40 minutes. No one comes and joins me. Eventually, I finish my meal and I'm about to leave. And suddenly, just across the way, about three tables away, I hear what sounded like a South African accent. And I'm, I'm listening. I'm going, is that a South African accent? And then I, I see the mannerisms, and believe it or not, I, there was just something that told me, like, I'm sure those are South African mannerisms. And th- just the way they kind of moved their hand while they were talking, it just looked South African. And so uh, I got up, I went over, I introduced myself, I said, hi, my name is France, and I just want to know, are you by any chance from South Africa? And sure enough, Kanisa is from Johannesburg, and, uh, and she just like screamed almost, like she was just so excited. She was like, oh, South African, I love your accent, please sit down, come, let's talk. And so sit down, and we have this conversation, finding out where they're from, what they're doing, what are they studying, and, um, and then suddenly I get this picture for them, and I share this word that was from the Lord, and both of them just burst into tears, and God touched their hearts. Now, you must understand, we weren't allowed to actually preach the gospel in this context, but uh, Kanisa just grabs my hand, grabs Ansha's hand, and she says, come, we need to pray right now. So she has a God consciousness, but she's not yet a follower of Jesus. And she'd been praying. She'd been crying out to God, saying, God, if you are real, please, I want to know you. And then I step in there. If I follow Jesus because I abided. I obeyed. And, uh, and so there's a God moment. We invite her to the Friday night. And both of them, when Philip Pretorius, he was actually there. He preached the gospel. And he did a call. Both of them came forward, gave their hearts to Jesus. Isn't that awesome? I think we should give the Lord a hand for that. What do you say? So remember, we're doing the fishing app, right? So we've done the A. Are you ready for the P? The first P is to pray. The first P is to pray. So often, you know, especially, you know, we might even have abided and we get this, you know, like awesome plan from the Lord, and then now we just want to jump in and go. But sometimes we need to clear the way through prayer. We need to let the Spirit of God go before us. We might have had the instruction, but, and there's a difference between abiding. Abiding is when we're hanging out. Abiding is when we're talking to Jesus and hearing and listening. But then there's an activation, there's a level of prayer where we pray intentionally. And we cooperate with God. We cooperate with the Holy Spirit. And we, we move as God moves us to pray. And you know what, I, I don't know about you, but I am persuaded that there is a God up there who, or not up there, but here everywhere, actually. Let's just be technically correct here. God is everywhere. There's a God who is ready to listen when we pray and respond and is powerful enough to answer the prayers. 
And so I believe that there are things that will happen if we pray that won't happen if we don't. So I want to encourage you to abide and to pray. Be ready to partner with God, to cooperate with God, to, to first fight the fight in the, in the heavenlies, in the spirit, to, to allow God to move before us as we go. And so um, Colossians chapter 4, verse uh, 3 to 5, or 2 to 5, says the following. It says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message. So notice there, first of all, devote yourselves to pray. There's a devotion. There's a commitment to pray. And, and let us be praying regularly. Uh, actually, I'm going to tell you uh, one quick story. There, uh, there's someone that, that I was praying for to come to faith. And one morning, I, just, I, I had a conversation with him the, the night before that just went badly wrong. And I just got so fed up. I was like, God, this person is so stubborn. I don't think they're ever going to get saved. And I prayed this prayer. And I said, God, I am not going to pray for them anymore. I'm done. And I went to a staff prayer meeting, you know, uh, this is church staff, so I went to a, a prayer meeting uh, literally about an hour later, I'm minding my own business, I'm busy praying, and then somebody comes over to me and says, Franz, I just really feel that God is telling you uh, that you mustn't stop praying and mentions this person specifically. He says, you mustn't stop praying for this person. And I'm like, Lord, I'm so sorry, I just forgive me. And, but I just realized that actually for whatever reason, prayer really is important. And then we need to pray. And if we will pray, I believe God will move. So Colossians says, pray, and then it says, being watchful. We don't just pray. We don't just pray, 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 and then kind of hope that you know, people are just going to pop into, you know, into God's family. Right? We pray and be watchful. And then also, watchful means that we are looking around us. As we pray, we're looking for God moving so that we can partner with him and do what we see the Father doing. And then it says, uh, and with thanks, and being thankful. So being thankful is actually having an expectation that God has already responded. It's having expectation. It's having faith. Having great faith, even as every nation global movement is focusing on this year. is having that faith that I have prayed, I, you know, that God is responding and I'm going to move according to what God is doing. And then it says, and specifically praying that God may open a door for the message. He has a, he has a, a practical thing we can pray for when we pray. Notice what God's part and what is our part. Our part is to pray and ask for open doors. God's part is to open the doors. We don't have to crowbar doors open. God is the door opener for those moments of sharing the good news. And then it says, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Now, I want to tell you a story, and um, this is of Kaylee, who actually is a, a campus minister in Stellenbosch. And some of you might have heard the story, but uh, she actually went on a mission that was just a month before we went to Paris. And uh, she went over to Paris in, um, uh, it was October last year. And the, the one morning, uh, she was praying, she was, you know, she was abiding, and then she was praying, and she was saying, God, who do you want me to minister to, to today? And uh, something we've been cultivating in London as we've been doing equipping for people going and making disciples is that we, we ask people to, to pause and to pray, but when you pray, ask God to show you people and places, right? People and places that you should go to go and, and share the love of Jesus with. And so, yeah, uh, so Kaylee is busy praying, and suddenly she sees a picture of a girl 
in a red top sitting on a bench under a tree. It's so specific. And so she's like, okay, thank you, Lord. She's, you know, now she's watchful, looking for a person wearing a red top on a bench under a tree. And, you know, and her expectation was it would be the place where we're going out, which is on the same campus that we were at. And so she goes out on the campus that day, and sure enough, she arrives, and there she sees someone wearing a red top on a bench under a tree. She goes up to them, and uh, here's a picture of this person. This is Marin. Uh, even though Ryan's wearing the red top, it wasn't him. Okay? Ryan's actually the person leading our church over there. But, uh, so he's with Marin. This is the girl that was sitting on, the, on, you know, sitting on that bench. Kaylee goes, starts a conversation with her, discovers that she is an intellectual atheist, anti-God, studying law. All right, this is about like as bad as you can get. <laughs> starts a conversation, gets talking to her, tells her about God, and then uh, invites her to meet up the following day. And so Marine over here decides, okay, I will, just to argue with you some more. That, that was what was going through her mind. That night... She calls her sister, in, who's studying theology in Jerusalem, in Israel, and she, she calls her up and he says, you won't believe what happened today, and her sister says, I know. And she says, what do you mean you know? She says, well, two people came and told you about Jesus, didn't they? She's like, well, how do you know that? And she says, well, God told me. You know what, in that moment, she went, her, her heart changed, and instead of going with the intent to argue the next day, she went with a lot of questions. And as a result, Kaylee ministered to her, shared the love of Jesus with her, and she gave her heart to Jesus. Now, what's even more amazing is as we follow, we help others follow, she started doing one-to-one with Marita, Ryan's wife, and two weeks later, she, come, she says to Marita, I have this friend, Tanya, I've been speaking to her about what happened to me. Do you mind if she joins us? So Marita says, of course she can come. She comes the, the next week, and Marita shares the gospel, the good news with, with Tanya. Tanya makes a commitment to Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Isn't God good? All from abiding and praying and following to help others follow. This is what happened. Now the last P that I want to share with you as our APP, abide, pray, is to proclaim. You know, we can abide and we can pray and we can keep abiding and keep praying, but it may result in no one actually coming to faith. At some point, people need to hear this message. And uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 14 to 15, says the following. It says, And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? At some point, our praying needs to translate into proclaiming. And so we can pray and then step out to proclaim. I want to share with you uh, one story. So when, when Deb and I arrived, and I'm bringing this to a close, when Deb and I first arrived in London, you know, I just started connecting with people in my community. These were, a lot of them were dads of, of, of you know, kids in, my, uh, in my, my, our children's class at school. And uh, we'd just invite them out for lunches, and, and we'd connect and, you know, just have games nights and and sometimes, now and again, they, you know, they would hit a crisis and we'd be ready and, and there to serve. But, you know, one of our, our friends, they, you know, they, uh, their boiler burst and, and their lounge got flooded and we pitched up with mops and, and buckets and just helping them. And yeah, when they had a housewarming party, you know, I was there standing behind the bride for four hours because, you know, 
to be honest, British people, a, a braai means like burger patties and sausages, okay? Uh, that would be an insult to a South African braai, right? So um, anyway, so, so I, I stepped in and helped them with, uh, you know, to just kind of some transformation. And, uh, but through that, I uh, had many amazing conversations standing behind the fire and just serving them, loving them. And, uh, but gradually, uh, you know, over time, I, I was able to share my testimony with a few of them, and a couple of them even shared the gospel. But not seeing anybody yet uh, having a, the, the, an impact, an encounter with God. And so I started praying and asking God from the beginning of this year. I was like, God, they're all these amazing people, and I love them so much. I've been building relationship with them, not making them missional projects. Let me just make that clear. These are people that I genuinely wanted to just love and know and just be in community with and just to serve them and, uh, in whatever way I could, whenever I could. Um, and out of the friendship, just praying and saying, God, how can I help them find you? Because I love them so much and I know what a difference they can, you can make in their lives. Because the more I get to know them, the more I see just what's behind the facade. I see the struggles I see the issues, I see the battles where I know that Jesus can be the hope that can make a difference in their lives. And so I prayed and I was like, God, what can I do? And then the Lord gave me a, a plan and it was to kind of gather all of these guys I'm having one-on-one -on -one conversations with and, um, and to create a social environment where we can also uh, focus on, uh, on spiritual things. And so Deb actually came up with this name called Pint and Pray. Now, Pint... Is, a, is something, uh, a, a term, you know, it's a meaning to, like we, we would say, you know, do you want to uh, go grab a pint? Meaning, let's go down to the pub and let's sit and let's get drinks and let's, let's socialize and let's chat. It's a, associated with socializing, like brying in this context. And so pray is then the spiritual side. So I invited people and I was clear to them and I said, look, if you may find Jesus or the Bible a bit offensive, um, this probably won't, you know, you probably won't enjoy it, but if you are mildly curious on what Jesus and the Bible might say about how, and particularly I spoke about becoming better versions of ourselves, character growth, I said, I believe Jesus has a lot to say about how we can become better versions of ourselves. If you're mildly curious, you may enjoy coming to Pint and Pray. And so I had four dads come along, and he has a picture of some of them in our community um, and this is at a, at a theater production that was uh, at, our, at the school of uh, Ruth's school. And uh, Deb was actually played a part in this school pro uh, production of teachers and parents. And uh, the guy in the front there, he played the role of Aladdin. He was like the, the star of the show. And then on the left there is a guy called Courtney. And uh, he's, uh, he played another part in this, uh, in this production. But these are two of the dads, uh, of, of some of the other dads that I've been reaching out to. And they came along... Um, and, and actually, JB, uh, I first put it to him, and I said, what do you think about this? And he was like, when the first pint's on the table, I'm there. That was his response. And then he invited Courtney. But what happened was, uh, we run it now Sunday nights. So I just started three weeks ago, right? just three weeks ago, been investing, building relationship. This was another opportunity to invite. And they came along, and one of the dads just shared something and that prompted Courtney to send me a message afterwards, send me a WhatsApp, and he said, Franz, Something was said tonight, and it really triggered something for me. Please, could we meet up? So on the Monday morning, you know, just before we, we came, um, you know, got on a plane to come here, he and I meet up, and I just said to him, I said, Courtney, with what you're going through, the only one that can really help you is Jesus. And I explained why. 
I explained what Jesus did for us. I explained that God is a God of love who loves us and has an awesome plan for our lives, but we need to follow him. And you know what? Right there and then, he just prayed and he asked Jesus to come into his heart. And uh, in the morning, we flew out on Thursday morning uh, last week. That morning, I met up with him for our second time of doing one-to-one together and uh, that evening got on the plane to come here. Isn't God good? I want to share with you that God has a plan for every single one of us. Every single one of us. There are people in our lives. There are people in our communities. And he can reach them through us. We're going to take a moment. And what I want us to do is we're going to take a moment right now and we're going to pause. And I want you to just, I want you to close your eyes. I want you to Forget about anything else that might otherwise distract our hearts or minds. And I want you to focus on Jesus. Jesus is right here. He's right now. He's here. The Bible says that Jesus is Lord of the harvest. Jesus knows the people in our worlds, in our communities, in our workplaces. He knows every one of them so well. He knows the struggles. He knows where they need hope. And everyone needs Jesus. And I want you to right now, I want you to ask God. If you already are a follower of Jesus, I want you to to ask God. I want you to, for, for people or places where you can begin a conversation, an intentional conversation, and invite someone on a journey. For some, it may need several coffees, several meals, several moments of connecting before they may even be ready to open their hearts and begin to share. But God knows, Jesus knows.